0: Welcome to the NJ Criminal Podcast. Welcome back to New Jersey Criminal Podcast. On November 25th, 1991, 11 year old redheaded Mark Heimball went missing from Del Haven, New Jersey. Over 30 years later, Mark is still missing and his case remains an open investigation with the Cape May County Prosecutor's Office and the Middle Township Police Department. Here today to discuss the case is Rich McHale. Rich is a retired sergeant from the Middle Township Police Department and has been involved with the uh, Mark Heimball missing persons investigation since 1996. Rich recently wrote the book, Where is Mark? Rich, welcome.
1: Welcome, uh, welcome. Thank you, thank you for having me, Meg. Uh, it's uh, great to be on your show.
0: I appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on and, and talk about, you know, certainly this very, very important case. Um, begin by telling me, uh, you know, how how it was that you got involved in the investigation uh, five years after Mark went missing.
1: Sure. Um, in 1988, I graduated the Cayman County Police Academy, and I started off, as everyone else does, in the patrol division. We had rotating uh, shifts, and um, November of 1991, I was uh, on a squad. That our squad was not working the day that Mark disappeared. Sergeant Peake and his squad were working day work, and um, I was off. Uh, I I don't remember exactly. I came in probably the next day or night, depending on which ship we were working. Uh, I can tell you that patrols uh, did not get directly involved in this case unless the uh, major crimes and Heimball Task Force asked us to confirm an address or stop a car, something patrol related. So uh, this primarily was a uh, major crime uh, unit investigation. And so as a patrolman three years on in 1991, um, I had little to do with Mark Heimball's case. One of the things we did in patrol were to do property checks on the Heimball house in Del Haven, And I specifically remember, uh, at the time, uh, Maureen and Jody were separated. So Maureen, Matthew and Mark were living on uh, Sunray. And when Mark went missing, it was, uh, maureen and matthew and she left a light on with a bow under the outside porch light that was there for years um, in 1996 i was promoted to middle Township's detectives bureau and at that time scott Webster was in charge uh, of the detectives and one of the things he said to me was to uh, take my free time and study the case files Because they're pretty extensive, a lot of names and and you've worked criminal cases and, you know, an involved investigation. There are a lot of facts and details. And and they certainly were in Mark's case. And in 1996, I'm a new detective. I I didn't have a lot to do. That was really my time to learn the case uh, for several years. Really, it takes that long to to get a grasp of the players in this case and what what actually happened. Two two and a half years as I was a detective, I went into the uh, school system as an SRO school resource officer for five and a half years and um, I was I held the title of detective and I would uh, help out with hindball things, but it wasn't directly involved. It wasn't until um, I did a stint with the prosecutor's office as a uh, undercover drug agent and and after that uh, patrols. And, uh, 2007, I think it was, they needed someone, uh, to an experienced detective and chief Joe Evangelista asked me to step in and, um, take that, take that spot. And at that time, Scott Webster, the main guy for Middletownship police, he was everything, uh, of the Mark Heimball case had retired and kind of gave the mantle to me to, uh, do, you know, be the point man for middle township police. And that's really where I started going to Maureen Heimball's house. I um, would sit with her in her living room. I I did a little reinvestigating of the case of my own. I I interviewed the whole Heimball family, including Jody, Maureen, Matthew, uh, cousins, uh, nieces, nephews. And that's where I really, uh, I would say, in my own opinion, had a solid grasp of the case. And at that time, Things had really slowed down on the uh, active investigation, and we were just following leads that were coming in. To answer your question,
0: got it. Okay, let's let's talk about really specifically the day that Mark went missing, uh, November sure. November twenty fifth, nineteen ninety one. Mark is eleven years old. He went to school that day, correct?
1: Yes, he did. Uh, he was a student at the special services school and um there he had behavioral issues he started out in the middle township school system up until third grade and then uh if be- he really became too much uh for for the pu- public school system and the parents and the schools agreed for him to go over to the uh alternative school Cayman county special services <laughs> school district Mark is a student there um, and he comes home. He gets picked up at his front door and dropped off at his front door every day for school by the uh, Special Services School District. 2.30 p.m. He is dropped off and mom uh, just came home from uh, or came home a few minutes after that um, from ShopRite and Mark was watching cartoons in the living room.
0: Okay. Now, I'm just trying to Go back here and look, but maybe you know off the top of your head. November 25th in 1991, was that the Monday after Thanksgiving or the Monday before, if you know?
1: It, it was it was the Monday before. That was uh, Maureen's birthday is the 29th of November. So there were a lot of things uh, culminating that week, positive things in the Heimball house, even after uh, a summer of a lot of um, frayed, uh interactions within within the family um uh, the father living in cape may uh mark's father jody Heimball, um didn't necessarily get along with mark um he disciplined him stronger than he did matthew um jody was in the barbershop quartet and matthew was a uh, very musically talented and uh, he so naturally he gravitated towards his father, and so when discipline issues he come down harder on Mark than Matthew, and so there's a lot of tension between Mark and his father. Matthew and his father got along good.
0: What Mark the, and his mother. Yeah, what Ringo, was the age the, difference? I'm sorry to interrupt you. What was the age difference no, between Matthew that's and okay.
1: Mark? Uh, numerically, it was one year, but it was actually uh, about uh, 11, 11 months that Matthew was older. He was 12, but he was we're getting ready to turn 13.
0: Okay. Now, there was a uh, some sort of a fire that day, correct? Either a brush that, fire or a marsh fire?
1: Yes, that is correct. Um, now, Mark has, uh, there's three streets there, uh, Rutledge, um, Eldridge, and Sunray. And they run um, towards the bay off of Bayshore Road. And I'm saying all this to lay out Mark's house. He, he had a single family, single-story house, and the, they had a bay window that faced south, and it's uh, faced uh, the reeds and uh, the Phragmite grass towards the Lower Township Water Tower, if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, lower Township and Middle Township were divided by a creek, and right on the Lower Township side of the creek is where this uh, brush fire, if you will, erupted around 2:50 p.m on monday afternoon
0: so mark sees it and uh tells his mommy wants to go take a better look at it is that right
1: That that is correct and uh it also drew attention from around the county not a lot going on it's a, a bitter cold day but a bright clear day so the smoke emanating from the uh, marsh grass Uh, It was pluming, it was thick. Uh, The fire was not as big as the smoke uh, portrayed it to be. But the smoke was enough that it shut down traffic on Bayshore Road, the main road in and out of Lower Township and Middle Township from Route 47. It was pretty significant to the local residents in that area at the time. So we have the brush fire, we have Bayshore Road shut down, and we have people coming into those three streets I mentioned earlier off of Bayshore to make a U-turn, go back to 47 and try and, uh, you know, detour around the fire. Uh, at about 3 p.m., Maureen Heimball has her uh, elderly neighbor in Woolery come over and ask Maureen if she would drive her to the Villas gas station and pick up her car, which was in for repair. Maureen did not know that there was a roadblock. And Mark is in the street. I believe he had just come back from walking down towards the fire. And uh, he says to his mom, he's going to get a closer look. And Maureen says, okay, honey, I'll be right back. I'm going to take Miss Woolery to get her car, and, and then we'll start dinner. And significantly in, the, in their uh, plans that night, they were going to see Miss Kubiak, who was a former teacher of Mark at the special services school. And Miss Kubiak had two young girls that Mark kind of fancied. And I say that because a question uh, arose whether Mark was running away from home. And he was going somewhere where he wanted to go that night, and he had no reason to run away. He was in good spirits with his mom, and he had something to look forward to that later that night. So um, the, the possibility of him running away was kind of uh, – although we didn't know that, as much at the time, um, the concern a concern was that he may have been a runaway or hiding from starting the fire. None of that was true.
0: Did Did he see his mom like in her car uh, on, on the street as she's leaving to to take a yes, neighbor yes. for a ride? Okay. Yep,
1: yeah, she's backing out of the driveway and stops. Mark was in the street uh, returning from his visit to, uh, to see the fire. So at some point Mark walks uh, a- after Maureen leaves. Mark so so walks, he tells
0: mom he's going back to the fire.
1: Yes. Okay. Mark walks uh, south on Delaware Avenue, Delaware Avenue parallels the bay. And at some point it dead ends and you can either go on the beach or into the uh, fragmity grass, which is not really a walkable area. Mark enters the, the 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 I'm sorry, the beach, and continues south to the pump house, and several people were doing this. This was not unusual. Um, there were elderly people that lived on Delaware Avenue. The Hilligans, uh, they saw Mark at the fire. They saw him. There really wasn't much to see. So the firemen are there, and they're they're putting out this the brush that's burning and then mark uh after a few minutes turns around and re- retraces his steps back in the direction of his house and delaware avenue uh along the beach he comes off the beach onto delaware avenue and as he's doing that there's uh, several teenagers coming now now walking his path and they tease him and say that he started the fire and 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 th- they know he didn't but they just tease him and they said mark was in good spirits and he continued on uh, a young family sitting in a car. There was a line of cars on Delaware Avenue at that point, facing south, watching the smoke or the fire. It was the entertainment of the day, and there was a there was a line of cars, and you would pull up and see what you saw, turn and make a U-turn there at the dead end on Delaware Avenue, and and go back to Bayshore Road. Uh, in one of those cars was a young family. Who, uh, husband and wife, and uh, the guy was a professional fireman in the county, and uh, he—they say that they see Mark. He's happy, he's lucky, he's swinging his arms when he's walking, and right behind their car, they look in the rearview mirror. Mark stops for a brief second as a white male in the passenger side of this car is standing on the running board, talking over the hood of the car to Mark. Mark pauses for a second. He says not one word answer or whatever, and then he continues on as if he didn't want to be bothered with these people. A year later, the New Jersey State Police reinvestigate every detail of this case. And one of the things they did is they reinterviewed this young family and, and were able to get a sketch of a person of interest who talked to Mark uh, moments before he disappears for good. So, so we have a good sketch. Let me, let me back up to Mark's path that day. So he passes that car, and we're talking about 340-ish, and, a, and nobody has uh, tracking of him at that point, but it's a half mile to the Cayman County Park, and the park guard sees Mark enter, enter the park by foot with a girl who's about a, a 10 years old, about a year younger than him, and uh, they walk in the, you can either go left or right. The left is the playground to the right is, are the basketball courts. And uh, the guard is closing up for the day. He's at the trash bin at the entrance. That's how he sees Mark. He knows him from his interactions at the park. He positively identifies him. He thinks he sees, he's seen the girl that was with him before, but can't positively identify her. And to this day, we've never identified her or the male and female subjects that were in that car behind the witnesses that gave us that sketch.
0: That young girl's uh, description, that didn't match any of yes. his teacher's daughters or anyone in his class?
1: They, they, there were a number of uh, female friends that Mark had in the neighborhood. Uh, all of them were interviewed. They pulled jackets from their closets. Uh, Scott Webster, Fred Teason Fitz, uh, Marie Hayes, they all covered that point trying to identify who the heck this girl was and surprising you know everyone knows everyone in that neighborhood and surprisingly they could not identify who this girl was
0: what's the uh, what's the distance between the Heimball house and where the fire was and then from where the fire was to that particular Cape May County Park entrance
1: Okay, so, like, Mark's house is on uh, Sunray, and, and it, if you walk in a straight line uh, east, due east, to you would get to the county park, and it's, like, 0. 0.4 miles. From Mark's house, his front door, to the uh, uh, marsh, where the marsh fire was, uh, is about a half a mile, as well.
0: Okay, and his is his... Is the Heimball House in between the park location and the where the it's, fire uh, it's, was?
1: It's, it, it's actually like a triangular okay. uh, mm-hmm. um, positioning, if you will. The the Marsh Fire is kind of along the bay. Mark uh, is house would be like due north, and then if you look due east, a point uh, four miles, the County Park is there on Bayshore Road. It's like a triangle. Okay,
0: and that was the the park uh Gord, he was the last person to have seen mark that day
1: yeah to this day uh ron pettit who has since deceased i believe it was around 2005 uh, for medical issues he passed away but he is the last one to see mark um he was polygraphed several times he was uh interviewed multiple times and uh his story and descriptions remain the same. He's a pretty pretty credible witness to that. Um, so we're certain that that was the last point that anyone seen, Mark.
0: Thank you for listening in. Stay tuned for the next part in this conversation. This podcast is not a source of legal advice. No two legal cases are the same. Contact an attorney if you require legal assistance.